welcome back, Calm listeners. This is Methodical Millions, where you can better your future and better yourself. Cal, I wanted to cover another side project. So for the last three months, I've been airbnb a duplex unit I bought about eight months ago, and I've seen some good success. I'm going to walk our listeners through some of the economics, how the platform works, and why I think leveraging Airbnb might be a good wealth generator in the future. So I buy a duplex. My realtor has me go look at a place, and it's a 70-year-old bungalow. It's nothing special. I'm used to newer townhomes, newer houses my whole life. So this took a little bit of wrapping my head around it, of learning you know, that an older home doesn't mean a bad home. It was very nicely renovated. I could live in a shoebox. I'm really not too picky about myself. So I remember looking at a property that was a piece of grass for half a million dollars with a cottage-like unlivable place as well. And I'm trying to convince myself, thinking land value appreciation, this is the way to go. and it ended up selling for much more money anyways. So in the crazy times we're in where interest rates are at record lows, you have multiple bidding offers on properties in the GTA. Places going 10, 20% over list. It's absolutely bonkers trying to get a piece of real estate. And we've seen townhouses in the GTA go to, I'm talking suburbs, where 15 years ago, you could buy a detached home for a quarter million dollars. My mom always tells me this story because she really wanted to buy one and we were finishing school. I persuaded her to stay. It was my last year of high school. So I'm like, I don't want to move. I want to stay with my friends. So she never bought it. And then that place is probably worth 1.5 today. There's a townhouse that hit 1.1 million in the same area. It's absolutely insane what's happened to property. So how do you get ahead is the question. And my thought process was, okay, what's a starter home? The cheapest you can buy was, let's say, 600000 So it was very close to what I had bought mine for. It actually closed at about five ninety. So what happened was townhomes were selling in that six fifty range. And I win this bungalow and you know I throw it out for rent. So I have it online. I ask insane money for the upstairs because that's what was actually my preference. And the downstairs was, of course, cheaper. I basically listed it before I even had the keys, found a tenant, and a six-month contract goes by. I did get much, much higher than market rents. And, you know, I'm actually going to go through the numbers because I think it's important for people to understand what real numbers look like in this situation so they can better understand, you know, how can I get a property? How can I make money on a property? So a couple of factors. You have to service your debt. So in this case, I think I had 20% down. You know, it was something like a buck 18 and I mortgage the rest. My rate was like 2.05, very good rates. I lock it in for five years. So I've got a mortgage on the property, about 1750 a month. I've got, let's say 250 in utilities, 250 in property taxes, call it 2250, $2,300 is my serviceable debt. So this does not include expenses. I had to fix some pipes, widen them from the city. That's $4,000. The place came largely renovated. So I'm really trying to turn the house into a 
cash flowing asset to cover home expenses. So at the very least, cover my mortgage, cover unexpected property expenses. And this is the baseline through which I want to grow. So for this property, month one of Airbnb, I list it. So I've got a booking the first day I list. The upstairs, I had hand-me-down furniture for my family. Didn't even have a full mattress because the tenant took theirs. So I literally had a bed with a box spring. Some guy books it for like a week. Doesn't complain. And then the next person who's booking right back to back was inquiring about a mattress. So I had to order one, get it delivered, throw it upstairs. And I'm becoming like a mini hotel chain. I'm basically doing my own cleaning, doing my own sanitizing and all that kind of stuff. But what's very interesting is that rents in Hamilton, they're about 1500 for one bedroom, right? Most people want to find out what's the cheapest rent you can get. And then you have a 1700 a month for a two bedroom if you're lucky. So utilities might be extra, but I was getting 2250 on my rent. And then Airbnb in my full month of July actually hit $3,800 in paid income. I had 100% occupancy where people would book for two weeks or maybe a day or two. And you basically choose your rate. But I found it very interesting because you could accelerate how fast you're buying property too. So the only thing you need to know to buying multiple properties is can you service the debt, which is called a debt service ratio. And that's a percentage of your income. It's usually 39% of what you make for the year is the math. So can you pay a mortgage or two? Can you pay your property tax and then your heating costs? This is how this comes up. So we always talk about, you know, sustainability. So I'm allergic to cart payments. I'm allergic to having debt. So I tend to buy those things cash. Houses are more expensive. They have a debt, but that way the ratios stay in line. So my whole point of this conversation is if you know the numbers very well, you'll have an idea of how to get house two, how to get house number five. And as you grow, you'll know exactly what income levels you have to hit and all of that. So I just wanted to open up by saying I'm very impressed by Airbnb. We did an episode where we talked about DoorDash you know, I'm a DoorDash user. I've got their Dash Pass. Interestingly enough, I voted against them, but they've become my favorite now out of the three, mostly because of the Hamilton area. They've got a lot of cool items that do free delivery for 10 bucks a month. So leveraging software to make your life easier. And I can't say enough about Airbnb. The experience has been fantastic. They take a 3% service fee. So almost like swiping a credit card, totally worth it. It's very much banned in a lot of areas. So like Toronto doesn't allow it. It caused a huge dip in the condo market, but so far Hamilton does. So I'm very intrigued on sourcing a new property in Hamilton. I'm going to keep an eye on the market. And my goal, Cal, is to copy and paste this model where you have another duplex. So I got to live in one, but what happens if you buy a second house? You can add upstairs and downstairs. Maybe you go from, let's say, a flat three grand a month on average to five. And you can notice very quickly, you're going to go through these. We've talked about orders of magnitude before. So, you know, making $10,000, making a hundred grand. And what you want to do in terms of your monthly income is how do you make an extra thousand a month? How do you make an extra 10,000 a month? And when you talk to all these people who talk about financial freedom, they may talk about not having to worry about how the job is in your market, relying on a good industry to survive, government policy, all these kinds of things that are out of your control. Like how many layoffs, how many listeners actually got laid off during COVID? That was not in your control, but somehow it kind of is. Somehow it's 
kind of our own responsibility to ensure success. No one's going to ensure it for us. That's amazing, John. Well done with that. And you've been sharing your journey with me as well when you first started. And, you know, I do agree that I believe that our listeners really find this very valuable information. I remember when I was in Canada up to 2017, early 2018, I wanted to rent out my place, which was a condo in Mississauga. But the challenge was the building itself didn't allow Airbnb. So I never really pushed it. I never went through with it. So it's really interesting to see how this works. To be honest, I was curious on how the occupancy rate would be for you in Hamilton, but you don't know until you try it. And it's been fantastic so far. And like I said, at the very least, it'll cover your costs and reduce your expenses in that sense. So there are definitely benefits there. And that's the power, like you said, of technology. What you did is really just take advantage of what we have available and really maximize it to reduce your overall cost. At the end of the day, it is your expense, it is your mortgage, and it is your responsibility to take care of the property. Do you mind sharing, John, as well? How has the experience been? Because when you first got your property, you were renting it out like a normal rental for like a six-month lease, as you mentioned. So how does that compare to taking care of it in the sense of having an Airbnb? Besides the fact that he's treating it like a mini hotel service, but in the sense of the tenants themselves. So I was new to the landlord game. I've got some sales and customer service experience. So I was quite comfortable sourcing leads, vetting people, talking to them, presenting a product. I do it for a living. That's essentially commonplace. What was new was learning the contract. So you've got the Real Estate Tenancy Act, which is in Ontario. And then my realtor was really awesome. If everyone needs a realtor in the GTA, I've got a guy for you. Give me a shout. He's amazing. So he had helped me draft a additional set of clauses that he uses for his properties. And this will go through some specific things like don't leave garbage around. You can't run a business on the property, which I guess I can never rent a place because that's all I want to do with my life. But I bought a place as is. I didn't look it over. I think two days after I moved in, I had someone else moving in upstairs. So didn't even cross my mind that something like shower curtains or these basic things that people expect were not covered. So garbage bins. There was some constant communication that in my experience, if I was a professional who has five properties or 50, it would be a totally different experience. Even though I'm a good guy, the whole point is, understanding what someone might need ahead of time is important. So there's definitely some growing pains. I know it wasn't ideal, but I ended up getting a property management shout out to Peter Lohman. His inspiration on that episode on property management got me to think about branding my investment business as that. So I'm on Google. I've got a review for my tenant, and I'm going to slowly compile that over time. And I remember seeing, I got a staff from Google, something like a couple hundred people who viewed my listing in May. They have no business to view it. How are they coming across it? Who's looking at these things? So Google My Business is how you list things online. I'm going to list the lawn business on there, have a presence. And the more you're out there with your branding, with yourself, the more you talk about what you're working on, I think the universe will answer back and start to give you the answers you're looking for. So. If you're thinking about, Kalia mentioned side income, unless that thought crosses your mind, there's a very unlikely chance that you're going to come across it. 
it's amazing how life works out when you do put it in top of mind and you do start talking to people and you do post online or just kind of source a podcast, whatever that process looks like, you have to have a process. You have to go discover, which is why I always say, be curious about the world. And there's a very famous quote, although I typically don't like quotes, luck is just when preparation meets opportunity, which means opportunities everywhere. If you ain't looking, you ain't going to find it. And I really firmly believe in that. And just to answer your question, what does an Airbnb management look like? I think people are probably more easygoing in general. I had a lady, so my mom was kind enough to donate a bunch of kitchenware, hair straightener, and I threw that in there. And one of the ladies staying was like, oh, I'm so glad you had a hair straightener. And it's these little things that I actually get more excited to help make a property nicer for the short-term stays because you get to meet all sorts of people. There's newcomers to Canada. There are people who are interprovince. There's people in between houses. You know, this is actually a stressful time for a lot of people. And what I'm realizing is no one actually wants, if you can buy a $3 million house, you're not renting for fun. No one's renting for fun. So if I could be a conduit to making people's lives better, yes, I charge money. But if I give them a nice experience, I had one guy who was looking for a car who came from Nova Scotia. He was getting his trucking license. So I'll do what I can. And Cal, you know the side of me well. I think someone had complained about something in the shower. There's a leaky faucet or something. I actually gave them one night stay for free as a credit. So you can credit or debit money or request money rather in case there's any issues. And just one-on-one in customer service, if you're going to do it anyways after a big complaint, just get it done. Do it proactively. It makes you look like a good person, which you should be anyways. And this helps keep good experience levels high, even though the property is not perfect. So Cal's famous line is how you fix a situation. This is exactly what that looks like. Just shows some appreciation. It's not just about the money. You value their service. And at the end of the day, these people are building my life. So it's a give and take. It's not just about greed. I had an old boss who ran a valet company. He owned all the contracts and he was kind of like the Scrooge would just talk at you, wouldn't even talk like a real human being and drove a typical Jaguar, old money kind of guy. And I remember him standing out was not very personable and I really always never wanted to be that. So the more genuine you can be, the more open and helpful. And over time, you understand if you're going to build wealth, it's your responsibility to make the world better. Why not? Why wouldn't you make the world better? Why wouldn't you do your part to, you know, make people's lives better? It could be some small gesture, but this is essentially how you can capture things that add value and improve everything. And I think, you know, it's definitely words to live by. So some small examples, I bought disposable toothbrushes, disposable soaps. So like a hotel style chain, they're one packet, almost like a piece of candy and anything I can load up that people may need. So extra set of towels is common, extra set of bed sheets and pillows and all that. So, you know, lots of utensils and I'm slowly trying to furnish the place. The furniture gets expensive. So I'm trying to keep costs reasonable. I have to buy a TV. So I'm going to over time, as I come across interesting items, I'm going to slowly start to furnish them and build a brand around cool places to stay, high level customer service. And as long as the laws don't change, I could definitely see myself growing in an Airbnb chain of and turning into a real business. So 
what happens when you go from three to ten thousand dollars a month or a hundred thousand dollars a month eventually the fact that it's a business is undeniable you don't need 50 properties you can have one but treat it well learn as you go and i think keeping that in mind you can eventually copy and paste the model and grow you bring a very good point those tenants they are your customers they're people who come in and rent in the place they're paying for the accommodation and they expect certain things and like you said it doesn't take much for you to make people happy generally you and i work together at a place where actually was very focused on customer service which made it very easy for me i've been through places before that that didn't care as much or even if they think they cared they didn't put the effort in in my opinion so basically what this does is make you stand out. And like I said, all it takes is the fact that it had a hair straightener for someone to use, or maybe, you know, some extra soap or extra set of bed sheets, and that can go a very, very long way. And with that experience, you get the word of mouth going, you know, you get your Google reviews and people will start, okay, well, you know, the reviews are good here. I'm going to go to this place. And that's how I shop and that's how I go to places. I always check reviews. Okay, if people are happy, then, you know, I do expect sometimes seeing the odd bad review, but it all depends on the overall experience and the fact that you have that with you and you can really maximize your growth by keeping people happy. And you do that, you care about that. And obviously, like you said, you do charge. And the reason you charge is because it costs you money. You can't do it for free. And the fact that you can help others and facilitate others and become proactive in something like a complaint happened, as you mentioned, it's the small things. And I remember dealing with customers where the smallest thing, the fact that you give them a keychain when they buy a brand new car goes incredibly long way, right? So it's that kind of experience that really stick to people's minds. My wife and I go to a restaurant, we experience maybe some challenges with the service or the product. And I would say it's not their fault for making that mistake, because I'm sure it's not intentional, but it is their fault on how they handle that issue. So being proactive is very vital here, very important. And even though I believe you are a good host for Airbnb because you have that ability to understand people and provide that for them. But for those listening out there, it doesn't take much. Just put yourself in their shoes and treat them as if you would like to be treated. Simple as that. Yeah, and just a point about the keychains, and we do, you know, a bottle of wine at work with a car. A lot of those things we did learn from our boss, who is super customer service oriented. And, you know, you got to be thankful about having that mentor in your life and listen to the good people around you who can teach you things. And I think your outlook on life is super important. So, are you going to be an optimist that the world can get better, or are you going to be negative and complain about what's on the news or talk about all these? downsides. And I think this is a huge driver of your mental state of mind, how at peace you are. And also, do you believe you can make your own future or not? And I think there's a clear distinction in people who believe who can make something out of nothing, or people who are not happy with having millions of dollars. You hear of all these kinds of stories of people who have everything and they don't appreciate it. So there's a fine line. I guess you got to find it in yourself to say what's important to you, what goals you want to work on. And I just wanted to share this because I think hopefully someone gets something out of it. It doesn't have to be today, but property management's not that scary. Airbnb, great platform. So far, so good. You are going to get the occasional questionable characters. I think one guy was like, is he dealing drugs? Because he had people come and buy. 
people with face tattoos and i'm like okay here we go and i remember googling that scenario and it seems quite common but he left the place very clean i was like okay give me a five star and that was the whole joke i was reading up is it illegal to ask for a five star so in the car business you've got fancy surveys where it's called survey coaching you can't do it i didn't find anything specifically on airbnb and people felt ashamed they're like i'm not going to ask that's embarrassing but i got one guy who four-starred me who was a huge fan of the place and he just felt like four-starring me absolutely crippled my score and because i'm so new it's like getting a zero on an exam it's going to tank everything and they are a little bit stringent on if you're below four star, I think you get delisted and banned. So someone's got to look into that. I don't want to run into that at all. So I do ask for five stars. I'm like, hey, hope you had a great experience. And you know what? Some people will say the occasional thing, this, 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 and I'll throw a refund or I'll just thank them again. And you kind of roll with the punches. So super happy about it so far. What else is going on? So there's a super host status. If you hit a certain amount of ratings, they do it every quarter. So by October, I should hit that status. That's going to hopefully help with booking rate, occupancy. If I'm getting $100 a night at 20 nights a month, 75% occupancy, I'm doing okay. No complaints. I've been price testing. So I started at $98 a night. As you bulk into weeks or months, you can give 50% off. You can give 7% off, whatever you think is right. And just basically throw the price to the wind. They do have a smart pricing calculator. I quite like that. So they'll go from 100 to 300 a night. And they use some kind of algorithm to let you book. And if they're filling my seat, I really don't care. I think it's a good job that they have variable pricing. And what I had done was I tried increasing my price $10 each time someone booked to see if I was too low. And a comment from someone was that I was. So I'm not the nicest property, but high level of customer service, good value for your dollar. And it's such a short-term stay that I don't think people are going to be that picky. Like I've been selling people cars for years that they'll keep for five, 10 years. It's a much more bigger decision than can I just stay here for two nights? So it's like a low level decision that shouldn't bother a lot of people. So where does this fit in? I guess what I'm trying to say is this could be an income unlock for you. I definitely explore it. If you're going to buy a starter home, really highly recommend the duplex if you can do a similar living situation. and. I'm very happy with it so far. I think these kinds of things will plant roots for future income. If I had a townhouse, I would not be making money on my house. I'd be wondering how to make money elsewhere. Just focused on my job or just focused on the markets or whatever idea comes to my head. But this is actually a bit of a life hack where you don't need property to and then have the risk of having no occupancy because at the end of the day, I'm still going to pay my mortgage whether someone's living there or not. So it's honestly the perfect situation to get started. I just wanted to share my experiences. Anyone who's thinking about it, drop me a line. We can chat. Shoot us an email, info at Methodical Millions. Anytime you have a question, Cal or myself will answer out. So some last things. So why do people Airbnb? It's a very common question. In between homes, traveling, vacations. And why not a hotel? I think it's because a hotel is easily $150 a night. You got to leave a $500 security deposit. Airbnb could be like 100 and you don't have that. So there are some extra steps as a host, but if I have to clean a couple hours between occupancies, I don't mind. I think it's part of the fun. And if you can match having a bit of fun with making money, that's not a bad recipe. I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, that's fantastic. And absolutely, if anyone who's out there experiencing something similar or would like to share their experiences, again, drop us a line. We'd like to hear from you. And 
you know, stories like these are small things, like I said, life hacks that can really unlock some extra income. And that way you can free up your cash flow for other things in life, whether it was starting a business, whether it was saving for buying a different property, whatever the case might be. Yeah. And just as a tangent, if any of you want to come on the podcast, not because you want to have an ego and explain how good you are, but you want to learn, I will absolutely host a Q&A learning episode. So if you have five, 10 questions and you want to come on, we'll do our best to answer them. We'll have a guest episode with a fan. So I would love to do that. We can either blog about it or just have a quick chat. So uh, always open to that. Give us a shout and we look forward to hearing from you. So with that said, let's wrap up today's episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of Methodical Millions, where you can better your future and better yourself. Thanks, everyone.